Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and I am just very happy to be chatting with you today and all this month about the um, one of the cornerstone aspects of our children's lives and lives as parents, which is education. Here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. And we are always looking for the connections and the, and the ties that kind of bind us in this world and in our parenting experience. And Melissa and I really work hard to to break it down, rebuild it, and <laughs> reconstruct all these all these delicious pearls and gems. And if you're new to Mama's Pearls, well, we typically start our, our weekly or monthly conversations on Facebook early in the week. Then Tuesday, I post the Mama's Pearls blog. Then Wednesday, we have our radio show, which you are listening to now. And then Melissa wraps up the week and gives you the takeaways to carry into your lives on, on Friday. Melissa, are you on the line? Not yet. Okay, so, Melissa? Yes, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Hello, co-host. Hello, yes, I'm out on the scene. I'm in I'm in the field. <laughs> Melissa is always our roving reporter on action. Today, today going probably through, um, we're talking, going to be talking about languages, so I'm sure that you're going to <laughs> be, uh, spotting, spotting on somewhere in a diverse, diverse neighborhood. Um, actually, no, today. <laughs> today I'm out in the Nassau County, I'm out here in the Nassau County area, so, uh, Hello, everybody who's listening from Nassau County. If you need anything, I can come deliver some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better be careful with that. You will get phone calls. So um, we've been having a, a really interesting month and in sort of kicking off and honoring our back-to-school and our time with our children and wrapping into another school year. And um, and last week we had the pleasure of speaking with Marlon Villalva, who is the longtime administrator for over 30 years and um, and working for the personnel for people services here in Port Washington school district. And everyone should have an administrator like Marlon because he really is so paternal and helps parents just feel that much easier and takes all the stress away from navigating what you need to do for your children and just navigating the course and getting comfortable with their with their school system and he was just so amazing to to talk to and um 
Oh, last week's show was called Little Einsteins, and the pearl of the week was a mind at play. And we just, one of the things we were starting and what's been kind of a string through this entire month and all the shows that we've had, you know, is the question of is education the key to success? You know, we've always heard, like, knowledge is power and um, that in order to get someplace in this world, you need to be educated. And when you were looking at that, there's so many facets and components that make up a person and make up an education, and some people do it through school and scholastic and academics, and other people have more life experiences. You know, there's, there's many different ways. And there's also different modes of education. When you start breaking down what's involved with, um, with your curriculum, you know, we basically focus, and it might be a little bit antiquated by now, as far as the curriculum being um, matched and geared towards the, the economy and the industry of each country. And this is what I was, I was gathering also when I was doing research for, for this week's show, um, which is called El Nino, and we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> but... Um, um, but when I was really doing some research about it and and looking at how curriculum in each country really develops their their own curriculum, there's no international standards. Although the I, I would say that maybe the universal standards would be math, science, and um, and whatever languages, and, um, and probably history too. But but anyway, I'm digressing. What what I'm what I'm really fascinating about, though, is how that how we take that all into equation as far as what our core values are are going to be coming through and and influenced to our children and quote taught to our children through their own individual school districts. And when you look at the United States, because we're based here in 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 the United States and more specifically New York, and it's you know what is our exposure and it's still the main the main um, focuses seem to be on math and sciences. And when you factor into into play, and there's all this research now about children um, with ADHD and different learning disabilities, and you know, and whether whether or not we're really meeting their needs, and what does it mean um, to have to have those? Now, we're not really going to dive into fully special special needs talk today, but we will have that show eventually. But one of the the things that I found interesting was, well, maybe it's just that they have a different style of learning. Maybe instead of focusing on math and sciences, they're more into into arts or sports or some physical mode, modes of expression. And beneath all of it, and I was looking at some um, evaluations that that the school systems use to evaluate our children as far as placement and as far as skill level. And the fundamental cornerstone across the board of what they're measuring um, your children on is based on their ability to understand language and to understand, um, to understand, identify, and decode it. And when I started thinking about language, I mean, we've been talking about our, pre, uh, you know, our preschool development and and stringing that along with Ellen Galinsky when we had her on the show uh, talking about her book, Mind of the Making, and how, how it's not just about the, the curriculum and the substantive stuff, but the real core of, of learning for children is the seven, seven life skills. 
Then with Marlon, he also reaffirmed that it's not about the curriculum. It's not about the math and science. It's basically how are you going to prepare your child as far as their emotional sensibilities? Will they be able to handle whatever is thrown at them, whatever topic, and being able to manage and process and share and care and listen. And these are all very different skills than what you think of in school. When you think of school, you think of your ABCs, your one, two, threes, your colors, your, you know, your languages and, and your arts. But when we're getting into the topic of languages, you know, it's just, um, I feel like there's a real disconnect, at least for Americans, um, as far as why it's important to learn any other language besides English. And I know growing up, I certainly heard, um, I certainly heard around me, well, my growing up experience was kind of divided, but I certainly heard around me how, like, it was, um, you know, if you're, if you're an American, you speak English, and if you don't, get, get out. And I was like, wait, what, what is that? You know, contrasting with my, my grandparents' experience and between my grandparents on my maternal side, together they spoke nine, nine different languages. And they grew up in, in Poland and in Europe. It's much more, it's much more customary because, you know, it's not like the United States where you travel from state to state and everybody speaks English. There when you travel, it's just, it, you know, you basically your states are, are countries. It's connected, and you're in a different country with a different dialect and a different culture, and you were kind of expected to to morph in and learn those languages. And part of their curriculum was was a base, at least for my grandmother, was was to learn three different languages. And I think that's still the norm today in Europe, where it's really it's really um, it's really just understood that you are going to to be fluent in different languages, not just the the language of your country. So when I was thinking of of this week's as far as okay now we're now we're into school, you know how are we going to cultivate our children's minds and and what do they really need to you know quote succeed and and to be on their pathway to success? I kept coming back to the fundamental building blocks of of language, and um, and particularly when when you're looking at at some students and some some preschoolers who have struggled with it. And it's like, well, why is it so important? And I really kind of came to the, um, the conclusion and taking upon something that my grandparents used to always kind of focus on is just that language diversity is the way of the world. And it gives you an opportunity to really see things from a different perspective. And one of the things I talk about in the blog this week is like how many different ways there are just to say hello. And when my kids were young, I started, you know, saying, you know, hello, hi. I mean, in America, it's like, hi, what's up, hello, um, and that's how we say hi, but I started really, you know, wanting to learn the different ways to say hello, hello, shalom, hola, bonjour, um, konnichiwa, and I started playing with that with the kids, and they really got got into it, and then I kind of stopped, and then I kind of got back into it, and, um, you know, and I find that now I've, I've came across and met, um, met up with this company called Little Pim through a mutual acquaintance of mine, and um, who's also a lawyer, um, Lori Bennett, and she put me in touch with this company saying, you know, I, 
I, I like what you're doing as far as Mama's Pearls, and I think that um, that you guys will have a great relationship. And it turns out that um, that Julia, who's going to be on the show today, who is the founder of Little Pim Company, had sent me some some DVD samples to try with my kids, and her DVD products and all her products are really based and oriented on early early foreign language learning into our children's um, into our children's like daily practice and also just to teach them different foreign languages and um, and we wound up just conversing and I've been talking with her company and the really big news that I have today is not only am I excited to have Julia on the show and that my kids are on their way to picking up different different languages thank God um, but um, but also that that little Pim is now an official sponsor of Mama's Prowl. so woohoo! Kudos to us, and um, I'm just really excited to introduce you all to Julia, as well as talk a little bit more about how how we can really enrich our children by different exposure to quote foreign languages. You know, because the whole concept that things are foreign from ourselves can get us really scared and really um, really nervous. If it's so different, then why do I need to know it? But you know, I really kind of feel that. The, the more that we know and understand of different people in different places, the more bonded we, we all are. So um, so that's kind of the setup for this week. Again, the, <laughs> the title is El Nino, and I kind of wrote that um, – I kind of wrote that initially as a joke, and I was like, oh, I'll change it later. Maybe we'll change, talk it lost in translation or, you know, or something something different. And then um, when I originally wrote it, I wrote it as El Niños, which um, Niños is a plural form of Niño, which is kind of like my boy, and, um, and El is a singular form of the. So when I originally wrote it, I wrote it wrong as El Niños, and it should have been Los Niños or El Niño. And that just got me cracking up because, like, that's exactly why <laughs> why I feel like this is so such important of a subject to kind of, you know, be aware of all of that. And um, so El Nino it is. I changed it to actually correct it to the singular form. <laughs> um, but the pearl of the week this week is Speak Easy. And I just wanted to invite anybody who's listening, if you want to call in with us when Julie gets on the line or just even to talk to Melissa and I, the number is 347-327-9450. You can find us at www.mamaspearls.com. You can email Melissa or I. I'm at Cynthia at mamaspearls.com and, or Melissa at mamaspearls.com. You can follow us on Twitter at SinTweet and any of the archives or this show, you can find at blogtalkradio.com slash mama's pearls. So Melissa, what, what's, your, what's your take on, on language diversity with your children? That's a good question. Um, I personally, my upbringing, I went to private school and learned a language that my parents didn't speak. I learned Hebrew. And I never fully grasped language, even though I was learning two or three hours a day of Hebrew, because I had no one to talk to. So I think also it's important to, I think languages are, are huge and important, and they just enrich your child and help. It's almost like exercise for the brain. It's a different type of exercise, learning a different language and, and the ability to speak a language. And I don't think anyone would go around saying, I wish I didn't speak eight languages. I think there's no loss in learning languages, but I think there's also a balance. 
and again, we're not we're out in the air discussing these matters and not judging that if you don't choose to do a different language, it's, it's embracing other cultures and expanding on it. And even if your kids learn, just like you see when you watch these shows on Nickelodeon, even if your kids learn ten words in a different language, it's something, it's enjoyable. It, it, it's appreciation for other languages. And so I I think it's, I think I would love, I'm excited that my kids are going to learn Spanish and I hope they, you know, continue to learn it because I think it's, it's valuable for whatever they do or whatever they you know, they can. It's it's always useful. It's never a bad thing to have. So, um, I applaud. It, the more you can expose them and get them used to understanding, I think once you learn a second language, it's really easy to learn a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth language too. Um, and as that's Europeans have the ability to speak a lot of languages, whereas English is probably the most complex. And once you get past that, if you don't learn another language, it's hard to start adapting to that. So, I'm yeah, excited. yeah, that's, you know. That's- that's one of the things that, that I learned quickly when I started to try and retake different languages as an adult was how complicated English is, and actually a lot of the other languages are so much easier and derivative of Latin. And, um, you know, most most languages, I think, do or originate hey, from, Julia. from Latin. Julia, on the show. Uh, Julia, you on? I am. Can you hear me? Hi. Yes, I can. Okay, so let me just back up while while you are on the show now and do a formal introduction to Julia. This way we can hop in and get some more more intel about what we're talking about here because I know that you and your company have just done years and of intensive research into the core components of foreign language development and the cognitive effects and benefits on children. And um, and apparently the this is genetic in your family because, as I'm learning, that you are the daughter of Dr. Paul Pimsler, who is a renowned language professor, professor, and that he developed a revolutionary audio teaching method um, in foreign language learning, and that you also grew up in a multilingual home. And this is what I understand has kind of propelled you on your path to being in everybody's home now. I mean, Melissa just mentioned briefly about how different television shows are now introducing us to different culture and are speaking different language. If you look at Dora the Explorer and you know, if you look at Ni Hao Kai Lan on, on Nickelodeon, and yours is really a supplemental um, a supplemental product to that with your little PIM, PIM products as far as something that we can put in a DVD, put on a seat, music, music CD that you have, and really just immerse our children in exposure to different languages. So I am extremely honored and grateful for you to be on the show with us and to be an official sponsor of Mama's Pearls, and I just give you the warmest, warmest welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm very happy to be on the show and to be part of this uh, wonderful topic. You know, it's so exciting for us to see how many thousands and I think even millions of parents are are becoming interested in exposing their child to a second language. And I did listen. I've I've been on the phone listening the last, you know, 10 minutes or so as you all discussed your your kids' experiences. And I, I just love hearing about, you know, children getting exposed to Hebrew and Spanish and French. And as Melissa said, it really is a brain booster. Even exposure to a little bit of a foreign language helps young children's brains develop. Um, it's been proven through research that kids who learn a second language are better at problem solving. It improves memory. It's very good for processing language, even in English, because they see the roots of the words in other 
in other languages. So it's just a huge gift that you can give your child um, if you, you know, have the, the the wherewithal and the energy and attention to, you know, bring a second language into your home. And really with Little Pim, we're just trying to make that a lot easier and more fun than it's ever been. Um, you mentioned my personal story a little bit. I did grow up in a home where uh, French was spoken. My father actually spoke seven languages fluently. He didn't speak them all at home, but we would hear him on the telephone or we had guests come over. Um, he was a professor of romance languages, and he developed the first audio teaching method of foreign languages, which is called the Pimsleur Method, and is widely available um, on the Internet and sold internationally. So when I was six, we actually up and moved to Paris, France, because he was invited to teach this method at the Sorbonne. And my brother and I were both put in an immersion French school. We already spoke a bit of French from being tutored at home by my father. But within really three months, we were both completely fluent. I was six and my brother was eight. So I myself was an experiment in how easy it is for young children to pick up a second language. And then thanks to my parents' efforts, I have stayed um, bilingual in French my whole life and, and always felt it was just the greatest gift they ever gave me. Um, it allowed me to access scholarships to top schools, you know, both private schools in New York where I grew up, and then I went on to Yale University. Um, it you know, got me scholarships. It gave me access to different cultures, literature. I wound up living and working in France. I actually went to film school over there and became a documentary filmmaker and made films in French. And France continues to be a really big part of my life and my family's life. So when my son was born about six years ago, I knew I would want him to learn French even before he was born. And uh, when he was about nine or ten months old, he was watching Elmo and a little bit of, you know, uh, a couple things on TV I let him watch. I didn't let him watch a whole lot of TV, but I felt like the little bit of time he spent, you know, in front of the screen, I wanted him to start learning French. And why couldn't he see media in French? And that's when I went out looking for some very high-quality, fun, entertaining series that I could put on TV for him and realized that there really wasn't anything, that even though all the research shows that zero to six is this very important window for language learning, and that's when kids learn best, the language teaching materials that were out there were really more geared for six and up. Right. Right. And that's where you just stepped in and taking on your generational um, wisdom, which I just love that this is basically carrying on your father's legacy and basically modernize it because that's the really core of what Mama's Pearl is about is taking our family wisdom and adapting it for our you know, our our generation and passing down to the next. Uh-huh. And what I love about Little Pim, and anyone can go on and find it at www.littlepim.com, and that's P-I-M, is that you don't just sell your products. Like, you have research on, on your website. You have so many, much information for parents, for teachers, for your children. And I just have been, you know, immersing myself in going through the website and getting a Acquainted, more acquainted with Little Pim, and I'm just constantly amazed at how much you've already covered and how cohesive it is. Oh, thank you, Cynthia. Yeah. Well, it's really a labor of love. I mean, as you said, it's carrying on my family legacy, but it's also helping parents who want it to introduce their child to a language that they love or even a language they don't know, you know, to make that really easy and fun. And our goal at Little Pim is to be parents' partners as they introduce their children to a first language. So it's certainly the materials that we sell, and we have DVDs, but we also have CDs and flashcards and iPhone apps. Um, We have coloring pages you can print out off the website. But we also keep our blog very up-to-date with tips on how to keep it fun and interesting for your kids because I think what I – 
what I'm trying to help turn around with Little Pim is that so many people had a bad foreign language experience in school mm-hmm. and, you know, abandoned mm-hmm. Spanish or abandoned French, and they look back at those years as very painful. And it, that's in large part because we start learning languages way too late, typically, in this country. Right. People don't start learning a second language until they're you know, 12 or 13. And by then, research has shown that your brains are fully what's called neurally committed to your to your mother tongue. Um, your brain can no longer absorb the new sounds and words as easily as it can, you know, up until the age of six. So what I'm really hoping to do is make kids' first language experience easy and fun and set them on a course to want to learn. Because, of course, it is a lot of work to learn a second language as it is to learn anything. You know, my son is doing chess now, and he practices almost every day. And, you know, I remind him whenever he gives me a bit of a hard time about French, say, you know, well, you'll be just as good at, 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 at French as you are at chess if you, if you practice. Right, and the the part about making it fun is is so key. And the the other part that that of what you were saying that I just found really interesting is, you know, why is it? What is it about the early years that? Because um, Alan Galinsky talks about this too. It's like the early years are the formative years, and then we do get shut off, and we do get um, kind of conditioned. And there's no room for, like, extra information. So what is it about the formative years that makes it so apt to start to start well, with foreign languages? It's really fascinating to read. And it's, it's, you know, comprehensible even to a layperson. You don't have to be a neuroscientist to understand it. But the, the best explanation that I've heard is that um, really up until the age of one, a baby's brain is hardwired to learn any language in the world. And so they've done these tests that are so interesting where they uh, – put neurotransmitters on a, on a baby's brain, and they watch what happens when someone speaks to them in their mother tongue, so let's say in English. So this is a six-month-old. And they'll see when they watch what's happening with these neurotransmitters that all the lights go off, um, you know, when the equipment that they've hooked up in the part of the brain that processes language when, let's say, their mother is speaking English. So that doesn't surprise anybody. Then they take the same baby, same neurotransmitters, and they have someone speak Mandarin Chinese. This is an American baby. Well, again, all the lights go off in the brain because, oh, this is language. You know, again, up until age one, a baby's brain is hardwired to learn up to three languages without any trouble. Well, what's fascinating is as you track this baby over time and as they hit nine months, ten months, one, you do the exact same experiment. Mom speaks English. All the lights go off. The Mandarin speaker comes in. Well, fewer lights are now going off when they're nine months old. Hmm, is that really language? I don't know. I've never heard those sounds before. My brain is no longer, you know, open to those kinds of sounds. By the age of one, almost no lights are going off when the Mandarin speaker speaks to the child, meaning that the brain has decided, I never hear these sounds. This is not language. I don't need to recognize this. I'm, and my, my neurons are actually going to be put towards some other use, you know, learning to sit up or crawl or recognize more sounds in my native language. Um, and what's fascinating is if you do continually expose this same child to another language, then those lights will continue to go off, those pathways will stay open, the brain can absolutely handle learning, you know, again, up to three languages at once, and it does not impair the learning of the first language. So that study, I think, kind of sums up the importance of bringing in a second language early on. Right. It's just that where the the children are, are much more open and they are they are like sponges. Yeah. And they, well, they can learn. Well, up until age one, that's the best time. But, you know, of course, parents despair when I tell them that, oh, I've already missed it. You know, my son, my son is 15 months old. But the studies have shown that really up until age six, the brain is still very adapted and adaptable 
for learning new languages. So it doesn't it doesn't actually stop, you know, after age one. It's just that up until age one, that's the best time to bring in language. Then after age six is another steep drop off, where um, kids have trouble learning the new vocabulary and won't have accents as native as they would, you know, and as, and as good as if they learned up until the age of six. Oh, so it's not enough to just know the language. You have to actually speak it in an accent. Great. <laughs> More pressure. More pressure. But it's easy for but, them. It's hard for us. It's easy for them. That's the other thing. Right. So, Melissa, we still have we still have a short window to get get our kids on track. How old are your I'll kids hope, now? My kids are four and a half and two and a half. Oh, perfect time. That's a great time to bring in the second language. How are they doing with the Spanish? They are counting to 10 in Espanol, and they. what's funny about it is that they don't think about it. Because now when, um, when I'm having to relearn Spanish, because I used to take a ton of Spanish and was a really good Spanish-speaking student, and I, I write about this in, in the blog this week, um, and then I stopped when I got to college. And I really stopped, I mean, just in all honesty, because they were offered, you had to take it and every single day at 9 o'clock in the morning, and that was just way too intense for me. Yeah, it was a big commitment, and it was way too early. I'm not a morning person. So I stopped, and I really regret stopping, because if I would have continued, and um, I think I really would have maintained it, but it's like you said, it is a muscle, and I do feel that with foreign language, it's an, it, you, you use it or lose it. And you need to continue practicing. And the hardest thing, I think, for a lot of um, Americans who don't have foreign language speaking relatives or parents or that if you're not bilingual, is that exposure on a consistent basis to your kids. So while I know how to count to 10 so I can do that with my kids, and, you know, I'm relearning the language with them. And it's something I'm excited about, but it's also... Yeah, we've been watching the, the Spanish one, which my, my kids call the Spanish Panda. <laughs> and it's, and this one for the ages zero to five that, that you sent me is really about is about counting, which I thought one thing I thought was really funny and fascinating was like this one was about counting, but the French one that you sent me is like all about food. I'll <laughs> be all be all the animations. To be fair, <laughs> right? All all the things was about food. I'm like this is pretty funny. I have a question. Do you recommend a little bit of exposure of a lot of languages, or do you recommend just picking one that you think both you and your child would enjoy and kind of sticking with that and seeing how that flies? Well, any exposure to a foreign language is helpful, even if it's not the one they wind up studying later on in life, because it is just that, that workout for the brain that we talked about earlier. However, if you do want to be actively involved, and I certainly encourage parents to, and I think you're a great example, Cynthia, of you know someone who did speak or has had some exposure, and then you can relearn with your kids, which is really fun. I mean, when you think about all the things that your kids watch that you really don't want to sit down and watch with them, you know, this is a great opportunity to, to do something together and, and learn together. It also sends them the message that it's, it's actually important if you sit and watch with them. So if possible, I think it's better to pick a language and stick with it. Um, but if parents are still sort of dabbling and trying to figure out which is the one that their kids like or that they would like to be involved with, there's absolutely no harm in bringing a couple languages into the home. But if you want them to get to a next level, you do ultimately need to pick and get involved. Right. That's, that's one thing I read a couple of, of different studies and articles on was that um, – and, and basically, it was just a matter of your kids can learn, you know, 
as many languages as possible. It's just a matter of the more languages they're learning, especially at once, the longer it will take for them to really develop a comprehensive vocabulary in any single language. So, you know, that process might take a little longer, but I would say in the, in the long run, um, you know, if they can bounce around the languages, it's probably, probably better for them and they'll have even more abilities because the main things that I was also seeing you touched upon um, you touched upon earlier is that it does also create a stronger ability to make connections and problem solve and, you know, and the connection is that they will actually be stronger students and in other topics as well. So, you yeah, know, if you have the patient. Math even, you know, because of the problem solving right. abilities. Right, I could use that too. You have any math? <laughs> I'll start with learning. I'll start with learning how to count in Spanish, and then maybe I'll revisit math. I'm not excited for that one yeah, with the, the kids. The counting video doesn't get up to calculus, so don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never got. I never got up to calculus. I mean, this is what I was talking about this week. Is that you know I figured out how to place myself out of language, and I also placed myself out of math. And when I went, because I was just too afraid and it would be too intense and I knew that would be too much work. What I did wind up taking was a class called Religion and Culture. And that was that was one of the first times where it really seeped into me of people and that there are different ways to say hello. There are different ways to tell time. It's not just on a clock or on a calendar that, that different tribes would use, use different beads and weaving methods and baskets and, you know, notches on a staff to tell. And, you know, I think having that perspective that there are different ways is really the core of language and language diversity because you do build an acceptance when you have that knowledge that something else exists. Well, it's good you're bringing that up, too, because one question we do get sometimes is, well, won't there be a software program that will translate for everybody in the future? Why do we really need to learn other languages? You know, you can go on the Internet and write to anyone in English. We know that people all over the world are learning English. You know, why should our kids learn a second language? And I think it's important to remind everyone that even if there were some software program that could translate, and, you know, frankly, people have been trying to make those for years, and if you've ever used one on the Internet, you know that they're not really working yet. You can wind up really insulting people in another culture if you try to write to them using what the, these translator tools tell you to write. Um, but that even if one could get the actual words translated, that nothing will ever replace the kind of face-to-face exchange and exchange in in the person's language and the kind of intimacy that brings. Um, Nelson Mandela has a wonderful quote that says, if you, if you want to speak to a man's mind, speak to him in your own language. If you want to speak to a man's heart, speak to him in his. Right. Right, and that's, um, I love that, that's beautiful. And that's one of the things I remember when I did study a little bit of French and when I was going to, when I went to Paris was, um, was the whole thing about courtesy around a language and knowing the nuances in, in how it's spoken. And kind of the general rule of thumb with, with French was basically don't start a conversation in French if you can't finish it. Um, but I actually found when I was in Paris and talking to people, they they were actually really helpful in trying to help me get a broader understanding of the language. And that's something that I so appreciated. Um, and, and they so appreciate you, know, you make the effort. I mean, anywhere you go yeah. trying to speak their language, they really, really appreciate it. And and that's what I, you know, what I try to do. My my husband and I took a trip to Japan, and we took, like, six weeks of Japanese so we can learn, like, the, 
the you know at least the basics. But I find like um, I have a lot of little language across the board. And I think it goes back to Melissa's question <laughs> about which is better because you know I, I would be able to say hello, how are you, thank you, where's the bathroom? Actually, what, you don't need where's the bathroom. There's like universal body language for that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> everybody understands when you do the pee pee dance. Um, but um, but. It would, I would get through that. Thank them for a meal or, you know, say something polite yeah, in their language. Absolutely. Being able, and, that's that, what, and that's what you can kind of learn in the conversational P's and Q's um, and just having that politeness. But it was when I would want to talk to them more, I would get so frustrated because they would talk back to me and give, get, like, to the next, language, next level of language and I would be stomped. Like, uh, I just like, I like, I just like to haggle in another language in another country. I feel like I'm not getting something. <laughs> so give me the better deal. You know, That's back to you asking before about, um, you know, which languages to teach your child, one thing that, that we do recommend if people are going to introduce their child to more than one language at a time is to try to pick maybe one romance language and then one non-Roman alphabet language. But, you know, not to do like French and Spanish at the same time or French and Italian because they're just too close. But I do know a lot of families who are doing um, one romance language and Chinese, for instance. And, you know, if you're not decided about what language your child should learn, Chinese I think is a great one to bring in because since it's a tonal language, it's based on these four different tones that, frankly, I cannot recognize at all, you know, as an adult who never studied any Asian language. But little kids can hear these much more clearly. And if you expose your child to those tonal sounds, you know, before the age of six, then if later on in life they decide they want to work in international business or work with one of the, you know, myriad companies where they would love you to speak Chinese, they'll actually store that information and have a better accent and be better able to hear those tones later in life. Right. And that's one of the things, again, I just wanted to highlight when you were saying with Nelson Mandela's quote is, um, you know, one of the images I kept getting in preparing for this week was when you look at a UN summit mm-hmm. and you see all the representatives from the different countries and sitting either with their with their headphones um, that usually have a translator. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't think – I would love to know if there's somebody in this world who does speak every single language. I don't think that's <laughs> possible because it seems like every single language is being developed on a daily basis. Um but, you know, that to me about how that image of just how we all want to connect and focus on on certain issues and, and be connected but still needing that translation, um, whether it's a computer program now or whether we can, you know, talk to somebody who knows the language. But um, breaking down those barriers I really see is what language building and language diversity is really all, all about. And then getting more practical, of course, we live in a very global economy, and, you know, we all want our kids to have great opportunities as they go through school and and, and choosing a career, and the the opportunities for people who are bilingual are just incredibly rich, you know, right now especially. In fact, I don't know if you followed that on Friday, a new bill was proposed to integrate more foreign language teaching into the public schools by um, Rush Holt from New Jersey and uh, Congressman Tonko. And uh, they are proposing, you know, a multi-billion-dollar effort to introduce more foreign languages into the schools. Because in recent years, there's been a real decrease in foreign language teaching in the public schools, and they've done studies and realized this is really hurting the U.S. economy. That billions of dollars are lost every year because we don't have people who can speak two languages. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to our to our original our original point when we opened the show was that um, you know it's just not 
it's just not a value in American culture. And there's so many quotes kind of making making fun. It's basically one is unknown that says, if you can speak three languages, you're trilingual. If you can speak two languages, you're bilingual. If you can speak only one language, you're an American. <laughs> Yes, and we are definitely, uh, you know, alone among the uh, industrialized countries in, in having right. this kind of obstinacy about it. I mean, in, in France, in Italy, in Spain, kids are learning English from, you know, kindergarten, and their right. kids are growing up with all these great opportunities that, you know, that our, our kids aren't. Right, and again, you know, we, we talked about this as a, as a theme throughout this, is what is, the, what is the pathways and keys to success? And, you know, when we're when we're working as parents now to raise our kids for the world, we're not just raising them for our small little world, we're raising them for a global economy. And, you know, I hate to keep boiling it down to down to money and economics and that, but that's really how these things are valued and why they're tied in and put into the curriculum and how our curriculum is made. And it's kind of kind of talking about this um, in the beginning, but I think you just really illustrated it, is that we basically take to our schools the trainings that we feel are going to increase our gross domestic product and output, and how are you going to be successful and compete in a global economy, and you know what, guys, like, all of us are part of that, and our kids are part of it, and our kids are the, are the pathways to our future. And we need and to get involved. I mean, we also need to go to our schools and say, you know, if you if you cut foreign language teaching, you know, we need to put that back on as one of the priorities. And that that's how a lot of great initiatives have gotten started in schools is just from parents going in and saying this is really important. I mean, you know, like I'll go back to the chess example because you know there's been such an explosion of interest in chess clubs all over the country, and that's because parents went to the schools and say, hey, all these studies say this is great for strategic thinking and really good for you know learning how to compete and. Um, problem solving, and so now there's chess clubs all over the country. You know, why can't we do that with foreign languages? Right, and I see it as so, yeah, I see it as so core, you know, all these different ways, and these are creative ways to to develop your children's cognitive abilities, you know, through language, through games, through, through understanding, through plays, and it's all, it's all getting them to the same place. Um, you know what I really came 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 away with from um, from going into this week was that you know learning another language and having a multicultural diverse um, palette, so to speak, really is an expression of love. And you were saying how kids are are so hardwired to learn, and I really see it as an electrical current running through us as far as the energy of language. And it's just being able to flick on that switch and keep it on and prepare them and expose them to different families. I mean, I have some friends whose, whose families speak different languages, from Russian to Spanish to, um, to French and, and Japanese, and I, I love it. I always beg them. I'm like, please speak to them in, in your language to my, to my children. Please, yeah, I, I want them to. Really proud. I mean, yeah. we haven't even talked about how proud the kids feel when they speak another language. Yeah. You know, my son speaks um, French and he speaks Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew, but my husband does, and he's learning it in school or in an after-school program, and he comes home and, you know, shows me his Hebrew homework, and I think he's kind of excited that he knows something that I don't, you know, so that's the other gift we can give our children is let them feel like they have one on you for, for once in something. 
I love what you said about a, a multicultural palette. That's a really beautiful image, and I think that is what we're trying to give our children, you know, multicultural and multilingual palette to draw from. We can't know what they'll want to do later in life. Will they want to live abroad? Will they want to work for an international trade company? Will they want to work for the U.N.? You know, there are more and more opportunities for people who do speak two languages or even just to use it personally. I mean, I, I started my language business about four years ago, but up until then, it was just, you know, one of my passions, speaking foreign languages. I was a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker for years and years, making films for HBO and PBS and Cinemax, and, you know, I just loved languages as a passion. So it doesn't even have to be your, your career choice. It's just something that can enhance your personal life. Right, and just being able to understand. And I really see, you know, learning language is really your first step to having a voice. You know, as children from the very very early on, you know, they're working so hard to communicate. And I guess that, that's really the core gem this week is figuring out the, the many different ways to communicate, you know, when they're, they're just, just born is with you as their parents. And then as they go out, it's really to communicate and understand um, this world. And language really developed as a necessity to understand and make sense of this world and, frankly, to keep people safe. And we're constantly developing that, and the more that you can do to enrich and help your child along, the more that they will be able to understand and express and absorb and be enriched and ultimately communicate. So, um, you know, I really appreciate all that you do. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we're, we're, we're really thrilled to be part of so many homes and, and the language teaching experience of so many young children. And, you know, we also believe that... Um, that language teaching is uh, just a really important part of early development generally. You know, I think now it's widely accepted that kids before the age of five should do a a little bit of art, a little bit of music, a little bit of, you know, gross motor skills stuff, but they should also learn a little bit of language. We know that not every family is going to take on the full commitment of, you know, raising their child bilingual, but every child should have a little bit of language exposure. And that's one of the reasons that at Little Pim we made DVDs and CDs and flashcards that are very affordable um, up until Little Pim teaching your child a second language is sort of an, an elite privilege. You know, could you hire a nanny right. who speaks another language? Could you afford one of these expensive language classes? And I just felt if every child in America can watch Baby Einstein, then every child in America should be able to watch Little Pim and start learning French or Spanish or Mandarin Chinese. You know, that's sort of like every child's right as far as I'm concerned. Well, I was going to ask, how does the program work? Well, the way it works is just very easy. It's a DVD. You throw it in your DVD player, and, uh, you know, if possible, you sit with your child and watch together because, as I said before, that really sends a message that it's something important to you. Maybe not every time, but maybe the first time. And it's in five-minute episodes, so every DVD has seven five-minute episodes for a total viewing time of 35 minutes. And in each DVD, they learn 60 words and phrases, 60 words and phrases in the wow. And their strategic repetition of the words that they really do sink in um, at the end of every five-minute episode. We have a little recap. And it's all really fun and easy for them. They feel like they're just watching, you know, another entertainment DVD, but in fact they're getting this exposure to a perfect native accent and learning some basic words and phrases that they can use. Yeah, because I noticed you can get, like, bundled. You can get different packages versus just one. You know, it's a very user-friendly or at least um it's a, the, the the website's quite easy to navigate and to figure out. Oh, thank you. 
this range is what you want to get. Yeah, we want to keep it really easy for folks. I mean, you can either buy it as a physical DVD, you know, one or the three-pack or the six-pack if you want to jump in right away and get all six, and there's obviously price breaks for doing that. And then we also have a digital version, so you can just download it right onto your iTouch or your iPhone or whatever portable media device you're using. And certainly for people who spend a lot of time in their cars, it's a great thing for kids to do in the back seat because they're learning, but they're also staying busy. Right. What, what, can you also talk a little bit about your products for teachers? Sure, yes. We just this year launched a teacher's kit, and uh, this comes with a 24-page teacher's guide that helps people use Little Pim in the classroom. So it's appropriate for daycare, pre-K, nursery school, right up, right up through kindergarten. And it has all kinds of activities that they can do around the DVD. We really just recommend one five-minute episode per class, and then the rest is all activities the teachers can do. So it's using the DVD as a springboard in the classroom to get kids exposed to language and excited about learning new words. I think I found my new gift. I have, like, two pregnant friends, so, and they already have children, so they don't need, you know, the new stuff. They need, like, the second child gift, and they have, like, two- and three-year-olds, so I think this is probably the best you know, oh, gift so for them because they can use it with the big kids too. So that's that's probably where I would use well, it right one now. Another advantage actually is that this is a great uh, DVD for kids, siblings to watch together because since um, this DVD features real kids and babies doing fun everyday activities and then the animated little panda bear who pops in and out, you know, he's the teacher, little Pim. You know, babies love to watch it because they love to watch other babies, but then kids who are, you know, three, four, and five years old love to watch it too. And since I have two boys who are three and a half years apart, I find it's not always that easy to find shows that siblings will enjoy. Right. And the cool part is, and you've been very generous to extend a, um, a promotional code and discount to our Mama's Pearls family. So if you do go on to Little Pim and want to purchase products, make sure to enter um, the code PIMPEARLS, P-I-M-P-E-A-R-L-S, and you will receive a 15% discount courtesy of Julia. Thank you so much for that, Julia, and thank you, and um, and very, very happy just to welcome you to our extended family here in Mama's Pearls, and um, I would love to, to keep our listeners informed of the developments and the studies that, that you're that you're following as far as language development as well as your future products because I just really see, especially if there's going to be a bigger, broader push to bring language back to American school systems, that that your methodologies and your products can really be a huge help and another core team team member of our educational parent educators team. So I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. It's a to be with you guys today. Thank you. We're actually uh, launching a big study with the Department of Ed this fall where we're going to be in 40 dual immersion preschools, I'm sorry, pre-Ks here in New York where they'll be using Little Pam and the teacher's kit in the classroom. So we'll keep you posted on how that goes. We're very excited to have some you know, quantitative data about how many words the kids learn and how the teachers are able to use this. It's actually the first time there's something available where the teacher doesn't have to speak the foreign language themselves. And so that's something we're hoping that classrooms across America can adopt. 
That's amazing, and um, and I can't wait to hear a little bit more how those studies are going. I don't know how much you'll be able to disclose while they're while they're happening. Um, but at the at the end for sure, and and if listeners also would like to keep up on developments about foreign language teaching and um, some of the newest research, please sign up for our newsletter right on the homepage at, at littlepim.com. There was one last thing I didn't have a chance to mention, which is you had mm-hmm. talked about uh, in your interview with um, Ellen Galinsky, and I'm a big fan of hers and a friend of her daughter, actually, Laura Galinsky, who's also terrific, um, that uh, the importance of singing to your child. And, you know, for parents who are not yet ready to show their children DVDs, and I'm very respectful of, you know, if that's a very personal decision that all parents have to make when they want to bring, you know, media into their homes, we do have um, little Pim Bop. Spanish CD and French CD, which has native children's songs from the country, they're from France and Spain and South America, wonderful children's songs in French and Spanish. And so that's a good way to get your child going at an early age, even before you might be ready to bring in media so they can start hearing the sounds and rhythms of the foreign language. That's awesome. Yeah, she did talk about the importance to sing song to your children so they pick up the tones. And I think the the tonal um, immersion of of what you're saying was the undertones, <laughs> the tone of the undertones of Chinese. Um, that it's it, it's interesting. And I think when you start really studying languages, you start really learning how they're built and what they're built upon. Um, and I noticed that. You know, each language that I've ta- tackled with does require different muscles of your mother's tongue um, in order to really grasp it and and develop it, as well as different. Um, it takes a different tone. You know, when I speak French, <laughs> my my version of French, it's I have a much softer tone. You know, when it's Spanish, it's a little bit different and like hi ya. Um, when I when I speak, and it gives um, you a chance to ask a little bit different. too, right? That's part of the fun of it. It's so fun! It's it so so fun to to get into that character and take on take on um, different languages. So I'm I'm again I'm just really really glad. I know that you that you're really busy with back to school um, back to school schedule. So I want to be respectful of of your time, although you can hang on as long as you wish to. Oh, thank you. It was great being with you guys. I loved the discussion. So thanks for having me on, and and let's keep each other. Thank you posted so and you know good luck in the foreign language journey that kids yeah we have wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you one of my come tell mama questions before you go, sure, go and just because we're tying it into your generational legacy with your father, what is the best advice that your father has given you? The best advice my father gave me, I think was probably to just not be afraid to sound silly in the sense that when you first start speaking a foreign language, you're always worried that you're not going to sound right or you're not going to sound good. And certainly, you know, when I started school at age six in a, on an all-French public school coming from the U.S. where I didn't speak hardly any French, he just said, you know, just start speaking and don't worry about how you sound. And that's the best advice that I think you can give to anyone starting to learn and speak a foreign language. Just jump in and talk. Nobody's going to think you sound silly and you don't sound silly. You just have to have fun with it. Right. You just have to have fun and give it the give it the effort, and eventually down the line it will all click. Absolutely, That's but you know I think we're all so hard on ourselves. You know when we try to speak another language, it doesn't sound right. I don't like my accent. You know people have all kinds of reasons they don't want to speak, and that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. to get started as a child. Because I think children have less of those inhibitions. You know that they're right. willing to sound silly. They like to be silly. They're kids, <laughs> so right. they're they're right. able to sort of play with it in a way that we have a harder time as adults. 
Right. I think that's okay. Okay. Thank you again so much, Julia. Again, anyone who's listening, you can find um, more information about Julia and the Little Pim products at www.littlepim.com. Remember, if you're purchasing any of her products, to enter the promotional code PIMPEARLS. Thank, Thank you again, you. Julia. This is amazing. You guys. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Adios. Adios. Hasta pronto. Bye-bye. Hasta pronto. Bye. Shalom. 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 Aloha, which I think is hello and goodbye. It's amazing, right? Well, it's interesting because we didn't talk about it, but, you know, one of the most, one of the things that I found important with the twins was the sign language factor. And although it's not, you know, a language, it's really a language. And so um, I felt like, it was so important, and it was so helpful with communication with the kids. So I didn't put on the Spanish tapes, but we did do baby signs for the first couple of years. Right. And and any form of communication, you know, like I said, kids are, kids are so – it's both kids and parents. We want to communicate with our kids. The kids want to get across to us um, what they want and what they need, and we really want to impart so much knowledge on them and for them to understand what we want and need and expect to them. You know, at the undercurrent of everything is the language of love. And, you know, I kind of always said throughout, like, even all this month with educating, like, it's our jobs as parents to to keep up the love and to really teach them and show them about love. And I think that I really feel like um, – excuse me, that that learning different languages and about different culture and having a a more diverse um, exposure for your children is a way to do that and, by extension, teaching them how to love other people. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of of a quick switch and string together a different aspect and a different type of language just to close out the show. And, you know, we're talking about the spoken language, but, and we're talking about the language of love, but we're also, there's a whole other world called body language. And what I'm really focusing on this month was, as, in addition to back to school month, is how President Obama has declared this September to be National Childhood Obesity Awareness Month. And one of the fundamental I see with children is learning about their body and being aware and learning learning how to how to love themselves and their and them, their bodies. So I really wanted um, my my cousin Dr. Joanna Dolgoff, who is a child obesity expert, just to come on and close out close out the show with just a little bit about what we can do as parents to teach children the language of their bodies. So, Joanna, are you with us? I am with you, and I have been another wonderful, wonderful show. I really enjoy, always enjoy listening to your shows. Thanks, my dear. And um, what, what's your take on, on learning different languages with your children? Do your children, are your children I, exposed to it? Absolutely. Both of my children have been taking Spanish courses at our JCC. I speak Spanish fluently, uh, which was essential during my residency in medical school because I worked in very uh, largely Spanish-speaking populations, and, and my Spanish knowledge was invaluable. I mean, there were so many patients I gave care to where they wouldn't have been able to get medical care had I not taken Spanish uh, from at in 
from high school on. And, you know, they were dependent on me for their medical care, and they couldn't speak a word of English. So luckily, I was able to speak Spanish. And I, and I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say I was able to save many lives from knowing a foreign language. So for me, that was invaluable. And so my child, my kids starting at the age of three and five, I put them in Spanish classes. So that that was very, very useful for me. Um, yeah, but yes, it, oh yes, <laughs> that my kids that my kids took Spanish or that I spoke yeah. Spanish to my baby. Well. Yeah, they they yeah, and it was wonderful. It was really really wonderful. And there's nothing like um, a, a mother's gratitude that you have taken the time to learn their language to help them. It was it's, it was really great. But I do want to discuss National Childhood Obesity Month because it is very very important for um, everybody to not only, like you said, do other languages but body language. And the way we speak to our children about their bodies is very, very important. We want to make sure that we make our kids aware certain foods are healthier than other foods without making them food obsessed. And I think the language you use to talk to your kids about that is very important. So when you do talk to your kids about food, we want to talk about how heart healthy the foods are, and we want to talk about body health and heart health, not about being fat, being thin. That's why with my program, Red Light, Green Light, Eat Right, I talk about colors, red light foods, yellow light foods, green light foods. And I think using colors instead of calories makes healthy eating easy and fun for kids and decreases the likelihood that they're going to become weight obsessed. Right. And you know what? I, I've recently switched the language that I use with my kids. Um, you know, I was getting into power struggles with them. Mm-hmm. And I was finding, like, I was just getting really upset about that because that's not, that's not who I am and it's not like, they weren't happy, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the ways that I switched it up, and it was really about saying like, you know, okay, guys, this is going to make you healthy and strong, and we yes. want to keep you healthy and strong. And I've been using that like, we need to go to sleep now because you need to be healthy and strong, and part of that is using your rest. You need to take your vitamins mm-hmm. because you need to be healthy and strong. And then with mm-hmm. my son in particular, because he's such a picky eater. It's really, a, you know, it's been really about, you know, he helps me in the kitchen a ton, so that's not an issue. Mm-hmm. And we we talked about this um, when you were back on the show at Food Fight, so I don't want to I don't want to um, detract from from what we're talking about. But anybody who's listening can go back into the archives and find Food Fight and listen to our full show with with Dr. Joanna Dolgoff. But it really helped me in terms of um, showing him you know, using the language, and just, this just happened with us yesterday where he wanted cookies. And I have no problem giving cookies at treats, but it's been getting to the point where he's been having snacks and not dinner. So mm-hmm. I gave him, I gave him instead of, you know, his 10 cookies, I gave him three. And I said, look, you can eat these. Did you just um, say 10 cookies? Um, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe I did say DS cookies, um, but it's not important. And so I, um, I said, okay, you can have these, these three cookies now, but cookies are not dinner. You know, we need to make sure that you eat dinner because dinner 
is is healthier and will keep you healthy and strong. And he kind of looked at me, and of course he was upset, but when I explained it to him again, and then I was like, okay, would you like to go help me make dinner? He had no problems putting the cookies away and coming up and helping me make dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, so that mm-hmm. I think was a really good first step in just trying to approach it in a different way and also mm-hmm. for me taking it out of the power struggle and breaking it down mm-hmm. to um, to words that he can understand as far as it's not dinner, it's not, you know, this is a treat. Right. And, and I think one of the things, uh, two things, using the word treat is to me it's a food that's not an everyday food, you know, or not an all-the-time food, and I think that's important. But I also think that treats don't necessarily only have to be unhealthy foods, or, or I should say desserts shouldn't have to be unhealthy foods. Every day my kids are like, can we have dessert? And every day my kids get dessert. But some days it's berries, you know, and uh, we'll put maybe a little bit of whipped cream on it so it seems more treat-like, but actually if you do the, sp- the spray whipped creams, they don't have that many calories actually. So berries and a little bit of whipped cream, that's a dessert. Sure, you can have dessert, but it's not necessarily chocolate cake or 10 cookies, you know, so. Um, I, I agree on that. We have healthy treats and we, you know, or we just don't even name the treats, you know. It's, what is, right. You love to cut up an apple and let them dip it in honey or dip it in peanut mm-hmm. butter. Um, it, it doesn't have to be junk food. It can be a dessert. And also the other thing I've eliminated is not letting my kids eat near the television. They're not allowed to see uh. have to eat. We've eliminated anything or any foods near the television, because what happens is that's where you get the couch potatoes. Um, Absolutely. So if the, studies show that, the studies show that if you eat in front of a television, you will eat 25% more calories without realizing that you've eaten any more food. So you don't get increased satisfaction. You just have increased calorie intake. So that is a 100% never eat. It's a habit. Once they Absolutely. sit and have a snack in front of the television, yeah, who doesn't like that? So if you don't know, if I, whenever they want a cookie, that's fine, I, but they know they have to sit at the table and turn off the television if that's the way it's going to be because what happens is they get in the habit of sitting down with a bowl of food in front of them, and that's mm-hmm. just additional food that they don't even need to eat. They're not even hungry. They're just bored. And the whole thing because you're bored thing is a no-no in our house. And so, um, Right, and if you're really hungry... Have, if you're really hungry, you'll turn the TV off. If it's not worth turning the TV off, you're not really that hungry. And I think that's fabulous. Is it there? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm like, yo, tango, uno problema. <laughs> man, that's not good. Um, but, all right, but what about, and you know me, I'm always trying to figure out ways, well, how can I make this work? Now, what about if I take my little PIM French language DVD where, it's, where she's counting all, like, the foods in it and have them count out the foods in front of that while learning so it is productive, maybe? No. Not in front of the television. And my yeah. uh, my biggest pet peeve was when my nanny would put a snack in the stroller with them, and I felt like, why do they need to cruise and snack? They'll just put them in the stroller. <laughs> if they need to be entertained, give them a book or something. And then when you get to the park and they're out and walking and running around, then you give them a snack. But they don't need cruising food. I think in our society, every time there's a transition between activities, we think it's, it's a need to eat. You know, after yeah. soccer practice, before going to whatever's next, 
you don't necessarily need to eat donuts. Like, you can actually play soccer or sports without munchkins. I know a lot of people in my community don't realize that. You can actually do that. And what what makes me crazy, they run around in soccer, not, I mean, maybe in soccer more than baseball, but how many calories are they really burning? And so maybe they'll burn 100 calories, and then they eat 300 calories of donuts. Like, this is not a good thing. You're better off not sending your kid to soccer practice that they're going to celebrate with eight munchkins afterwards. It's not the right trade-off. So I, I think we have to reset how we think about things. You don't have to have, you don't have to cater every activity for your kids. And I think people are really confusing food and love. It's a big problem. Well, I think this is, um, I think it's really great. And the more I think about it, I'm really happy that you came on this you know, today's show just to tie it in with what Julia was saying because we are in the process of, of refocusing on what is important as far as values to our for our children and in their schools and what are we going to be um, re-emphasizing and reinforcing to them in the school and at home. And these things that we've kind of taken for granted where it's, you know, English is the only language and, um, yeah, we just have, we have donuts and we eat all this crappy food, you know, all the time, that really reprogramming us as parents, first of all, to what's different than what we grow up with, and our children that I think that we are doing a great advantage in terms of, you know, setting the wires right. It just seems like, you know, we were talking about how language is like is like electricity and, and hardwiring our children for success. It's just, it seems like we've gotten our wires crossed and our signals mi- mixed up. Um, and it's time, it's time just across the board to really take a, an honest look at this and um, take away whatever stigmas we had about foreign language diversity, about um, our relationship with food and our, our different body language and kind of bring it back to the basics where everything, you know, that language diversity is important, learning about other cultures and having different exposure and different dialects is only going to benefit us. It's not going to keep, you know, and, and stop keeping us isolated. Um, and learning about different foods and having a different food diversity and palate within our within our homes, which is drawing from other cultures and from other things that can that can help us and keep us healthy. But that and is I all. Agree. So I agree. Yeah. And on that note, I am going to say that I, I do have to run because I am leading a national webinar for the Discovery Channel at one o'clock, where I'm going to be speaking to hundreds of teachers all across the country about what they can do to keep the classrooms healthier. So I am I am off to read that. How can we listen to that, honey? How can you listen to that? I think if you go to discovery.com and if you put in education webinar, you can probably find it there. Okay, it's through the Discovery cool. Channel. Well, good luck with that. Give us a Thank give us you. another update. And again, um, Joanna, Dr. Joanna, and her program can be found at www.drwade.com. And thank you again for just bringing into our awareness and education about National Childhood Obesity Month. Yes, and I just want to clarify, it's actually drdolgoff.com. D-R-D-O-L-G-O-F-F.com. Yeah, I should kind of know that. I know that, but that's okay. We'll, yeah. we'll forgive you. I am going to run. Goodbye, everybody, right. and I look forward Bye. to coming Bye. back and talking more again. Bye. Okay. Right? Um, a lot of here. Yeah. 
a lot of yeah. interesting stuff today, and I know we, we've gone over the time, but I really wanted to get all these different different pearls in. Just yeah, so, just be, uh, so yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'll be serving ensalada la fruta fresca this evening. <laughs> what? What? Ensalada fruta fresca, you know, yeah. salad. Well, you, you know, I gotta say, like, learning language is a survival skill, and particularly when you're going to a foreign country. Like, my main thing and what they teach you when you take like the the intro is about the foods. Like, you need to know what to order and what you're looking at on a menu. And for me, it was crucial when I traveled to Paris to be able to say I would like a cup of hot chocolate because, you know what, I would have died if I didn't have my Parisian hot chocolate. So that's something that was... Donde esta el bakery? And um, I I totally did. It was, you know, jamais un chocolat chan, s'il vous plaît. And you know what? It, that got me a long way in Paris. So um, it's not just for you know your own smartness. It's actually to to get you some food. Let's just call a spade a spade. You know, it's a um, survival skill here. So we seem to we, yeah we skip from life skill to survival skill. Yeah, um, I do find that like when you're tr- when you're traveling, people are so helpful. Um, I mean, now when you travel, mostly everyone does speak English, so you, it's very easy to find. But if you do find yourself in a situation where people don't speak English, people are so so helpful in trying to help you understand um, or you know or be understood. And when you're in marketplaces, you know, pointing is is key. Um, universal signs of body language are, are key. Um, you know, pointing to a map, or you know, like I said, with the pee-pee dance. You know, everybody under, understands that, or or eat. You know, that you need to eat. It's the hands to the mouth. So it's part of the sign language and tying in all these different ways that that we can communicate. Which I, I'm assuming is going to be one of your your major gems for for this uh, this week's takeaway. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think. And that's the thing. We we we're here to just you know bring in some resources and ideas, and we're here to share and just to uh, you know we're all in this role together as mamas, and we're trying to do the best for our children. So I think just a reminder: if people never even thought about it, you know, I I remember I bought um a bunch of Hebrew song CDs for the car, and. Someone got in my car and they're like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, well, they need, you know, better than listen to this than, you know, Jay-Z on the radio. <laughs> right. At least for and, your uh, kids. <laughs> kids. Yeah. I mean, when, G- when Jay-Z has a um, music line for kids, we'll be all too happy to play. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, just but even as opposed to buying English songs, you know, why not mix it up a little bit and have some, you know, it's also songs from my childhood. So, of course, there was a bit of sentimental <laughs> benefit there that I wanted to uh, expose my children to. But, yeah, no, I think this is all... Well, what, I, what I actually did one time was um, we were watching a movie, and it was on the Spanish channel. I think it was Madagascar. Because we we talked Madagascar. about this. I... I yeah. used to play um, Finding Nemo in Spanish, and my and and the little one used to walk around going, "Soy Bruce, Soy Bruce." 
<laughs> and, yeah, exactly. I mean, they they don't they they didn't even flinch. They were just watching it. I mean, they probably know the the dialogue by heart anyway by now because they've seen the movie a hundred million times. Um, but you know, they didn't even flinch. So that is you know, in addition to picking up the little Tim products where it's a little bit more. Not, it's not intensive because it's really not. She does she does the videos in a very plateful you know child friendly way. But flick around your your channels on your TV and put on a different station. Um, I mean, we have like a million channels here, and we get we have Polish, we have Spanish, there's French channels, and and you know just keep it on. Same with the in your car. You can play the soap opera in Spanish. Exactly, exactly. You know, put on put on put on your radio um, show. Tune it into a different station and that has foreign language um, songs on it. And I think I think in time we will all all absorb it. You know, people. There are so many different ways of like immersion tactics and you know osmosis, whatever. But if you can just immerse your children in and expose them to something a little bit different, I think it will go a long, long way, and you'll be so surprised when, you know, when they're in their in their teens and they're going on teen tours or, you know, traveling with their friends through through Europe or different countries or Latin America and that they came back and they're like, well, you know, now your kids are fluent in, in, in another language. I just think, I just think we can do so much to help our children, and, and this is, something that was so ingrained, I mean, you could tell I'm passionate about because I, I won't really shut up and stop the show because I, it was just so ingrained with my with my grandparents um, to learn different languages was just such, it was just the way of the world for them. It's just, there was no question of why you didn't, you know, if you just, they couldn't understand why Americans only spoke English and didn't care to learn other other languages to them it was just so foreign um so it's part of my my passion and on my my wish list is to kind of relearn um and become more fluent in different languages so i think we're going to leave it there again i just wanted to invite everyone to um to check out julia's pro products and web page at www.littlepim.com again i mentioned she Little Pim is now part of the Mama's Pearls extended family, and we're very, very happy with our collaboration. And um, and again, you can enter the pro promo code of um, Pim Pearls. So hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful week. You know, try something different, even just saying saying hello in five different languages to your children. Just have some fun, like like Julia said. Don't be afraid afraid to be silly. I think next week we're going to be talking, um, continuing on our education theme and talking about the homeschooling experience. Yes, I know people are always like, what? And that's a totally different way and technique to raising your children. So I'm looking forward to that. Again, you can find, re-listen to this or any of the past shows in the archives at www.blocktalkradio.com slash mama's pearls. You can find um, us on Facebook at Mama's Pearls. You can follow us on Twitter at Cintweet, C-Y-N-T-W-E-E-T, -E -E the Mama's Pearls and M's Gems blog, and more information about Melissa and I and our little family here can be found at www.mamaspearls.com. And this is Cynthia of Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children and your family. Say I love you.
Remember that in order to speak easy, which was the pearl of the week, you will need to take some time and some comfort in learning the languages of love and the world. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, Melissa. Bye, Sam. Bye, Anne.